0: Quick disclaimer, although what we say is evidence and literature-based, we don't know your personal details and situation. Therefore, make sure you're discussing these things with your doctor. Welcome to the CPR for Life podcast. I'm Sagar Doshi, and this is Zachar Moses. I hope you guys are enjoying this segment on stress. Let's talk about stress, let's talk about immunity, but I would be remiss if I didn't again mention that I think all of you should check out cprhealthclinic.com and cprhealthclinic.com slash mindfulness where we have recently launched our mindfulness program, which we call CPR for the mind. It's evidence-based. And there's a self-paced program as well as a
1: workshop program. Check it out. I think you'll like it. So today we're going to talk about our immune systems and stress. So you, again, probably know the answer to this, but how well does stress correlate with immunity?
0: I don't know what the exact correlative factor is, but I'm going to go ahead and say that lots of stress is poor for immunity.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, it depends on <laughs> what specifically we're talking about, but in general, yes, stress does not help the immune system, which would you'd think would be the opposite way around, I guess. Like if you're really stressed and your you know pathogens are being exposed to, you and your body would just kick into high gear, and that would stress your system, and you go, "Hey, sounds great, we'll just fight this thing off." But unfortunately that's not the way it works uh, when it rains a pours, <laughs> and when you're struggling uh, you tend to do worse with your immune system. So there have been multiple studies that have looked at this and uh, you know we'll go through some of the details here but just to kind of paint some pictures here there was a kind of a systemic review. The uh, name of the article was in 2009 in Discovery Medicine called Stress Damages Immune System and Health and they looked at some other studies uh, and brought these up. So they looked at a couple different um, situations. One is medical students under academic stress. So the patients who had more stress and anxiety and uh, less social support had poor response to the hepatitis B vaccine uh, once they measured their antibody titers. So they looked at their antibodies and T cell response. So initially what happens when you get a vaccine is you get these antibody response and those antibodies eventually uh, turn into T cells who kind of walk around and remember what exactly the insult looks like so they can be primed to respond to it should they encounter it again. So both the antibody response and the later on t spell response was downregulated in medical students who had higher levels of stress and poor social support. They uh, looked at spousal caregivers of patients with dementia. And this is, you're going to see this is a common theme actually, because they look for stress populations. And this is like the go-to stress population in some of these studies is, is people who are caring with people with dementia, because if you've ever done that, you can imagine how difficult that would mm. be.
0: That sounds like a really difficult situation.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, it's tough for everybody involved, and you know, you and I see this all the time in the ER mm-hmm. that these patients are sometimes just pushed very hard, and it's, you know, I feel for these people it's it's a tough situation. And they gave those those caregivers the flu vaccine, and they confirmed it, or they they compared that to people who were not stressed or not caring with people with dementia. um so people who are in lower stress situations. Same thing, uh, decreased antibody response, uh, decreased virus-specific T-cell response in people who were caregivers uh, in that case. They did a second study that confirmed the same thing. They did another study with the rubella vaccine and confirmed yet again the same thing. Uh, So this is not just one type of virus. This is not, you know, a a single one-off study. This is a pretty consistent thing we're seeing. So they also looked at animals with the simian immunodeficiency virus. It's similar to HIV, except for it's in simians. Uh, They had... Lower RNA and plasma after inoculation if they had good social support conditioning. So if they were exposed to SIV in this case, uh, and they were in an unstable pattern of social support, uh, which has its own definitions, and I don't really know what simian circles look like as far as what their good social support looks like, but I'm assuming Mm -hmm. the people who did the study did, they found that uh, people who were, or sorry, simians who were exposed to the virus had higher viral loads after uh, inoculation if they had poor social support. And in going along with the same thing, uh, as far as immunodeficiency virus, men with HIV had faster progression to AIDS uh, when they had more stressful life events and less social so- and inter- uh, interpersonal support in their lives. Uh, AIDS being the later on, the actual um, acquired immunodeficiency syndrome is what we see HIV leads to. So you get full suppression of your immune system and you're exposed to all sorts of, uh, or you're. you're prone to all sorts of strange and opportunistic infections that we normally otherwise wouldn't have, or um, higher rates of cancer even because your your T cells can't fight off cancer cells. Uh, so they had two to three times higher chance of developing AIDS uh, if they were above the median level of stress or below the median level of social support. They kind of looked at that both ways, um, and it was either one or the other, and they both had the same outcome.
0: I mentioned there's definitely some overlap there, though. Poor social support, that is a form of stress.
1: Right, Absolutely. Um, wound repair has been studied, uh, cause your immune system is responsible for repairing wounds. Um, so they use, your, your immune system uses pro-inflammatory cytokines. So there's a bunch of different ones, interleukins and tumor necrosis alpha. And we always talk about these things as negatives. And I guess we should, you know, we've done that in our previous podcast, even we kind of paint tumor necrosis alpha and interleukin six is as, as these bad cytokines for the body. And while long-term that's true, short-term fighting off infection or short-term repairing body, uh, you know, wounds and Cancer cells and stuff. These things are actually pretty helpful. Yeah, and so you you do want these responses. There's there's just a anything unchecked is bad. But when, when these things are used appropriately, when the cytokines are, are released appropriately, they actually help out with the acute response.
0: Yeah, they're necessary.
1: Right. I mean that's that's why they exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did another study uh, again, looking at caregivers with patients with Alzheimer's disease. It took them twenty four percent longer to heal a small dermal wound, and they did control for the size of the wound. And they looked at uh, interleukin 1b or 1 beta mRNA levels uh, and it was lower in people who were chronically stressed or in this case caregivers and they did another study looking at wound healing among dental students and they found that their wounds healed 40% more slowly just prior to uh, examinations compared to on vacation so even that much of a difference like that's that's a pretty quick response time because you think about the time between taking an exam and being on vacation theoretically could be the next week Um, but you're not talking about years apart as far as stressful situations you're talking about an acutely stressful versus non-stressful situation and there's that much of a difference yeah
0: I feel like I have to I have to bring up the study that just came to mind I don't have a citation for it as it just popped in my head but it was a really fun design and where they took people and they gave them cuts they gave them lacerations and these people they had come in as couples and so unbeknownst to the participants the investigators would either do and say or ask a question that invoked negative responses from the couples. Basically, something they would start something. They would start a fight, and these couples would start fighting or start being angry with each other, and then they'd leave like that. And then in other participants, they made the laceration, and then they innocently just said something that they thought would lead to a stronger relationship. So things, oh, what do you like best about each other? Stuff like that. And that led to... Uh, the couple's leaving and kind of happier and holding hands and walking out. And then they compared, okay, which wound heals faster? And the happier couple
1: had the faster healing wound.
0: We're so fickle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How influenceable we are as, as a species. <laughs>
0: Just as a life form, yeah. And it's something that this was totally incidental. They had no idea that was what was being studied whatsoever. And so it's just so funny and interesting and it just goes to show how our health, our lives are connected to so many different factors.
1: Yeah, that's really it's fu- really funny.
0: <laughs> and expectedly, one of those factors is who we spend our days with.
1: Yes. Uh, and that's that's absolutely true.
0: But we'll get to that podcast later.
1: Yeah, that that that's a different that's a different subject. We are going to talk about that cuz it's a big one. And they they also looked at stress and inflammation and aging and uh they found that interleukin-6 the kind of that long-term inflammatory cytokine that we talked about in the past in again alzheimer's caregivers uh, versus controls over six years was four times higher in, in people who took care of people with alzheimer's um which is not a small amount and it, the theory is that that may be responsible for some of the age related disease related to chronic stress um I don't know if that's totally, it might be a little bit of an extrapolation. But nonetheless, we still see a, a chronic inflammatory cytokine high in people who are chronically stressed. So that's kind of, we've talked about some of the effects of stress on the immune system in our other podcast, and we're, we'll reiterate some of that here, um, where you've got your your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. Can we just shorten that? Can we just call it HPA? Thank you. Um, <laughs> it makes my life a little bit easier. <laughs> So the HPA axis uh, is stimulated during times of stress. So your brain is communicating with your pituitary, which is part of your brain, I guess, and then it's kind of communicating with your adrenal glands, and you're increasing your cortisol level basically with with long term stress. So uh, as that happens, you have, have again the same the same long term cytokines, the TNF alpha and the interleukin six will be elevated long-term and then to other, other interleukins and then substance p is elevated over time we've talked about substance p in the past substance p between uh what, what are the letters o and o and q it's between yeah. o and q um so yeah that one actually leads to uh gi issues um and you can even talk about you know if you have substance p can cause leaky gut uh so basically you have more movement of of molecules across the gut but not necessarily the ones that you want so can that lead people to be ill from an immune system standpoint, probably. I mean, anything that's causing dysregulation of of your immune system is going to cause problems like that. Um, Especially when you think about what's in the gut. Right. Yeah, all those bacteria in there, they're supposed to stay in there. Mm -hmm. You don't want those in your blood. Um, And then cancer. Uh, Your immune system is responsible. You know, I think when people hear the immune system, they just think about disease fighting as far as infectious disease, not necessarily cancer. But your immune system is responsible for fighting off cancer. Mm Mm-hmm. So we have increased stress. You actually get a decrease in cytotoxic T cells. And cytotoxic T cells are the ones that recognize cancer cells, the ones that don't belong. Um, they're smart enough to know, hey, this cell is not looking like the rest of the cells in the body. And then your natural killer cells, my favorite cells in the body, they're supposed to kill malignant cells so that they don't turn into cancer. Um, but unfortunately, uh, when you have dysregulation of your immune system, that doesn't happen. And you get genetic instability, so you're not recognizing your abnormal mutated dna uh and then tumors expand uh and you get cancer um and then long-term catecholamine opioid opioids that are released during stress so you, you get your opioid type uh like you ever heard of like a runner's high i'm sure you've heard of this yeah. That's that's typically typically caused by an opioid like uh, uh molecule being released in your blood that kind of gives you like that sensation that you're that you're high i've never experienced yeah, they, this Be- really you run like crazy yeah, but I'm not good at it, and I don't <laughs> get a runner. I, I, you know that I don't like running. I just do it because I have to, and it makes me feel. I feel better like you've longer. actively there suppressed I your high. Yeah, I, I guess so. Maybe <laughs> it's my attitude. Maybe if I had a better attitude, I would get a runner's high. There was a
0: short two weeks when I had this, and the thing is wonderful. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I love it. Did you have to? Run, never... Did you have to
1: run a lot to get it?
0: Yeah, I had to go four miles. Then I
1: started feeling okay. High. Yeah, I mean, I've done four miles before, and I don't get it. It sucks. <laughs> but um so your catecholamines and opioids uh during stress in this case you know during running stress um but they actually have immune suppressive properties so you're actually suppressing your immune system so haha you're more likely to get sick on your run than i was Um, (laughs) 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 so there is a downside yeah you know i feel better about myself now (laughs) But yeah, so long term, these things are more likely to cause issues. A short term, they're totally fine. Uh, but long term, they may, may cause some issues. Um, and, you know, that's they, they've done plenty of studies looking at mice and their exposure to influenza if they're stressed versus not stressed. And they're much more likely to seroconvert and become influenza positive if they're stressed. I mean, these are the literature is, is full of these studies. And I don't want to bore everybody and go through each individual one. Um, but suffice to say that there is a very strong correlation with being stressed and being more prone to getting illness and during a global pandemic i think i would want my immune system to be operating at its best so i'm going to try my best to not be stressed (laughs) and that i mean there are certain cells that are like antigen
0: presenting cells if i remember this correctly that have receptors for stress hormones like epinephrine Mm -hmm. and when they receive said epinephrine they will stand out and so the more stressed we are the more of those hormones we have the less alert our immune system is
1: yeah, and that's absolutely true. And, and I guess, I mean, maybe it stands to reason that if you're chronically stressed, I mean, going back to an evolutionary standpoint that, you know, you're more worried about the acute threat. If you've got a catecholamine surge because you're being chased by a lion, you're not worried about catching – your body's not worried about catching a cold. No, yeah, You're more worried course. about not getting eaten by a lion.
0: And then, of course, the immune system reactions, all these mediators and so forth, they produce the crummy parts of being sick. They produce the complete right. lack of energy – the fever, the just wanting to lay around and not eat or drink or do anything. Mm-hmm. That is completely incompatible with surviving a lion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you feel like garbage not wanting to do that stuff. And, and that's, I think it takes a vast amount of energy to fight those things off. And that's what's – it's just knocking you down. You're like, nope, you're spending all of your energy right now on fighting off this terrible yeah. infection. Fall asleep is what your immune system right. is saying. Go to right. sleep. <laughs> yeah and that's pretty much all I have as far as literature goes what did you want to talk about anything else in this in this particular context right now?
0: So I have one more question how is stress uh, related to autoimmune diseases things like lupus, rheumatoid arthritis stuff where the immune system is attacking the body itself
1: That's a really good question uh it's not totally straightforward um as you can imagine kind of we talked about these are really complex pathways that are time dependent and situationally dependent and some of these cytokines and some of these um, signals are are good in certain situations and bad in other situations but the general consensus is and there's there's more research coming out on this more all the time really uh, is that stress can cause autoimmune disease now whether that means that stress can cause you to develop an autoimmune disease as far as be the causative role or the causative uh, agent for initiating an autoimmune disease is really up to debate. Um, I think what's more becoming widely accepted is that stress can make autoimmune diseases worse or flare up. Uh, and we talked about that in one of the other podcasts on Stress and Health with the GI System. That there's a pretty good link between stress and inflammatory bowel disease or Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. Uh, it's not quite as strong with every single autoimmune disease. One of the most frequently studied ones is rheumatoid arthritis. Um, And I think anecdotally, we all kind of feel this way that, you know, we have patients that come in, I mean, we're not rheumatologists, but we've had patients come in with flare-ups of their autoimmune disease in the ER. And pretty frequently, they'll say that they've been having more stress going on. Now, that's part of the problem with some of these studies, though, is a lot of them are retrospective. They'll look back and say, you know, a patient had a flare-up, Was there a a strong, stressful event that happened prior to that? And upward towards 80% of the time, they'll say, yes, there was. But, you know, we've talked about this before. Humans are causative creatures. Like we like to find reasons for things Mm -hmm. to be going wrong. Pattern findings. Right. So it's not uncommon for it to say, well, yeah, you know, there was a really stressful event and all of a sudden I feel bad. Maybe that's got to be the cause. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't really know. It's a little bit harder to find prospective studies that look at this, and they've tried before. And, and looking at rheumatoid arthritis, they've actually seen a, st- a cause a prospective study where they look at you know ahead of time and say stress versus no stress, who goes on to develop disease, rather than looking back and saying who developed the disease, uh, which is much more telling. Mm-hmm. And um, I found one study that found that there was no link. There's another study that found that there's a link, but the link grows stronger as time between the stressful event and the actual uh, worsening of the disease occurs. So, you know, you'll get pain in your joints as it was the typical thing you get with rheumatoid arthritis. So they'll say, yeah, there was a link, but if you wait longer, there was more likely that there's going to be a flare up of the disease, which to me kind of lessens the impact. Um, and that seems like you're looking for reasons why there was a flare up more so than actually. Right. Because you know,
0: the longer you wait after a stressful event, the more likely it is that we're going to blame that flare up on a right.
1: stressful event,
0: uh, that just gives right. more time for a stressful event, uh, too. Uh, yeah, more time for gonna, exacerbation.
1: Yeah, right. Eventually, you're going to flare up at some <clears throat> point because it's kind of the nature of the disease.
0: And I'll say this, a little counterintuitive, because I was kind of hoping you would tell me that because high stress chronically can suppress the system that, hey, maybe high chronic stress would be really good for <laughs> these autoimmune diseases. <laughs> Hey, you can take I these the steroids thing, and suppress your immune system, or you could just have a really crummy job. So,
1: <laughs> I th- I think the thing to remember though is it's a dysregulation syndrome. Usually, I mean, autoimmune disease is not just suppression of the. I mean, suppressing the immune system doesn't always just universally knock things out. It's it's a dysregulation problem. Like there's there's some suggestion that because uh, they looked at CD four T cells in rheumatoid arthritis, and they found that telom- telomerase, which is an enzyme that clips off the end of, the unnecessary end of the DNA component of of uh, cells' DNA, for example, is overactive in rheumatoid arthritis. So they were actually clipping these CD4 cells' telomeres, which are the, the, the end part of it, the end part of that that DNA sequence, and then they would cause them to act abnormal because their genetic code was getting jacked up. It, you know, and so it's, I guess you could suppress that with steroids, but I don't know what the steroid's effect on telomerase is. You know, so you'd be... And and again, who knows if that's even the reason why, Um, but there's so many different things that we don't really understand. I think it's more of a, it's more of a regulation issue than it is just suppressing. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you could probably suppress somebody's immune system and, you know, there's, there's a reason why Humira and Remicade and all these other medicines, they, they work uh, on certain parts of the immune response and they work differently for different diseases. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, you know, a blanket statement, here you go. Here's some steroids, take steroids the rest of your life. I mean, not to mention there's a bunch of side side effects anyway. But yeah, it's a dysregulation problem, not necessarily just an overactivation problem. Yeah, the immune system is so complicated. It's always in a dance. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's exactly right. I mean, the, the dark side of it is overactive equals death. I mean, we see that with COVID where it's not only really the virus that's killing you, it's the immune response to the virus that kills you. It, it's just, it's too complicated to just say we made this one intervention and figured everything out. Well, that'll be the day, though. I, I wish. It'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Make life a lot easier. But it's, it's, a, it's a really long-winded answer to say, does stress affect autoimmune diseases? The answer is probably uh, the complicated answer is we don't really know how or to what extent, though.
0: Yeah. So probably it does lead to more flare-ups or worse flare-ups. Unclear mm-hmm. whether it in itself can be the singular causative factor for anyone getting autoimmune disease
1: yeah i haven't found any research that suggests that that is the case that it will be i mean certainly there's some typically genetic predisposition and whether or not there's a genetic predisposition then there's an environmental trigger to it so epigenetics on top of genetics causing problems probably to some extent um but i think that needs a ton more research and mm-hmm. it's hard to do a prospective control like how do you pick a wide enough population to cast a net to do prospective control type trial to find the diagnosis of autoimmune diseases which are not common enough to be able mm-hmm. to you know get a high number of people to be able to say hey yeah we've got enough people to power a study well enough to say that this this is definitively the answer so it's hard somebody smarter than I am needs to figure that out I just read the papers
0: probably a lot of people doing a lot of studies over a long time
1: yeah but the good news is it's pick it's picking up a ton I mean the amount of papers coming out on stress in relations to health in general not just the autoimmune system or the immune system rather uh is is really ramping up which is definitely good news because it's something we can all do mm-hmm. i mean this is something that you know this isn't it's not expensive to be mindful you know
0: that's true yeah it's free unlike these biologic agents that you have to worry about do i have insurance does my insurance cover it
1: yeah yeah <laughs> And like you have to go to infusion centers a lot of times, or you have to do injections and mm-hmm. they have to be refrigerated, and drug companies spend, you know, ten years developing them and, you know, they have side effects. Like there is there's not a ton to love about those.
0: And then sometimes they just stop working.
1: Yeah. Or you need to take methotrexate or some other you have to take an immunomodulator in order to you take the immunomodulator for the disease, but then you have to take another medication that stops you from developing a response to the immunomodulator, because then you can develop antibodies to the to the medication, so then you take medications to suppress the antibodies. To the medication, it's just, it's just a night. Like, who would want to do that? And I, I feel bad for the people who do have to do that because it's, it's tough. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And if there's something out there without any side effects that people can control, then let's take advantage of it. Right. right. And it sounds like this is one facet where there's no downsides to trying to downregulate how much stress we're dealing with or how we respond to it.
1: Yeah, I've never had a patient come in and say Hey, you know, I think what happened was I've been feeling really good lately and I had a really good week <laughs> and that caused my uh, my autoimmune disease to get worse I don't, I've don't, i never heard that before You see, the problem was I went to the beach <laughs> I relaxed I felt good and then my immune system, they pounced <laughs> I was just waiting for that opportunity <laughs> Yeah Yeah, so, yeah, I wish that was a straightforward answer but I know it's a little long-winded and Full of caveats, yeah, but the way the, yeah, that's where the data's at. Right yep. Now. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's, I think that's all I have.
0: Well, that was great stuff. Okay. Let's wrap it up. Uh,
1: just a reminder, speaking of the mindfulness we were just talking about and, uh, the availability of it, we're, we're teaching things like that. We're teaching people how to be mindful. Check out our website, uh, slash mindfulness to look into, uh, either the, self-directed course or the course that goes along with us and has, uh, has us along with you to teach you. So check it out. Uh, hopefully you get some benefit from it.
0: In the meantime, remember, the way you live can save your life.